Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Ramble with Russell, episode 579 of my podcast, The Home Intelligent Rambling, right here on the Talk Shoe Network, one of the longest-running single-hosted pop culture podcasts in Ontario. Good to have you here. And my first um, recorded in my new location. Now, it may sound a little different to y'all, and, and it's not going to be maybe in this room every time, but it's in a new apartment. It's a little noisier than before, so this is a bit of experimentation, if you will. I'm still in the same town. We just moved. So that's what that is. Welcome to the show. And, and last week's show was a first because I edited it in a Tim Hortons, which is... <laughs> An interesting experience, nonetheless. Uh, what's on the show this week? Of course, we are just marching through October, and it's Halloween time on the show. Y'all know I love Halloween. So uh, what we're going to do to continue, because I like to do every year, I always like to do something spooky during Halloween, and luckily the great people that provide me the videos are, are not letting me down in any way, shape, or form. When it comes to that. So on this episode of the show, I'm going to start things off with a little retro Blu-ray movie review and something spooky with the new Adams Family animated movie coming out at a theater near you very soon. Paramount was kind enough to send to me, courtesy of Paramount, a Adams Family two-pack of movies from the 1990s. Starring Angelic Houston and Raul Julia. On Blu-ray, and and this is a um, it's never I don't think you've ever packaged these two movies in Blu-ray together before. So I'm going to talk about not but one, but two Adams Family movies. Then we go from the Adams Family to a, another chapter in True Detective season three, courtesy of HBO Home Entertainment, where uh, once again a crime is investigated over a bunch of decades involving some missing children. And then we go from people fighting true crime to superheroism with the Blu-ray review of Supergirl, the complete fourth season, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, that they sent to me for review and does not affect my opinion whatsoever. So they're going to have some superhero action as I continue my CW superhero coverage. Let me go from the Girl of Steel to the Toys That Are Real with my 4K Blu-ray review of Toy Story 4, with 4 being the number, courtesy of Walt Disney Home Entertainment, where Buzz and Woody are once again, you know, doing stuff 
on their own and makes a very interesting chapter in the life of Woody. Many years after Toy Story 3. That's all coming up on this edition of the show. So we're going to take a little musical interlude right up with the first review of the program. My retro Blu-ray movie review for this episode is the Adams Family 2-Pack, courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment. Now, the first movie came out in 1991, and I actually remember seeing at least the first one. I don't know about the second, but probably at least the first in a theater. And this was, you know, um, really a nice, this was, you know, a, a real renaissance when it came to kind of spooky stuff in the 90s. Now, previously to the 1990s movies, of course, The Addams Family was a hit on television back in the 60s. So this is, I think this was the first real, like, big screen adaptation that it was done. Now, this, of course, was directed by Barry Sonnefeld, of course, did also the Men in Black, and very much feels like a Barry Sonnefeld movie. If you ever watched his movies, much like I don't like Tim Burton, he's more a little bit quirky. And, and you know, that's that's the kind of way. Now, this was actually written by, by Charles Adams, so it, it did have a link to the actual, you know, family that created the show. Now, this was a fun kind of quirky little movie back in the 90s. You had you had Raul Julia, the late, sadly, Raul Julia, and more on that in a bit, starring as Gomez Adams. Uh, you had um, you had Angelica Houston as Morticia, which was really cool to see that she was, you know, um, doing that kind of role. And she, man, she looked good in that dress. Chris Lloyd is Uncle Fester slash another character, and more on that in a minute. Be forewarned, this movie is more than <laughs> 20, 28 years old, so I'm sorry. Maybe a little bit of spoilers here. If y'all haven't seen this in 28 years, pfft. so I might... Slight spoilers in this one. So he's in this one. I'll go to Chris Lloyd. And this was, you know, after Back to the Future. Uh, and then you had um, you had um, a very young, <laughs> I mean very young, Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams. You had uh, Jimmy Workman as Pugsley Adams. And you had uh, Carol Strickland, uh, no, Stryken <coughs> as Lurch. And Judith Molina as Granny. So there's kind of your cast. Now, adding to this cast of characters, you had um, you had Dan Hedaya as Tully Alford. Now, you're saying to yourself, you know, you watch this movie, so I don't recognize the name, but I know this guy from something. Dan Hedaya has had quite a career still in, in television movies, and I'll best remember him as he was Nick, Carla's, you know, deadbeat ex-husband Nick on Cheers. He's in this movie, and you have some veteran actors uh, as Judge Womack, as Paul Benedict. Paul Benedict has done a long career in TV shows and movies, and of course, Paul Benedict was one of the uh, was the neighbor in the Jeffersons. So, <laughs> you know, a little bit more TV history there, and and so you had that in this. So you had quite a few characters, and Dana Ivey as Margaret Alford. Now the um, so that's kind of the the rounding up of uh, the cast for this, 
and the plot basically centers around the the very eccentric Adams family. And at the start of this movie, Uncle Fester has been missing for years. He isn't, you know, he he wasn't uh, a part of the family. And this Oishov thing, and this to the disembodied hand, which they never explain uh, why that is. So uh, at this part of the you begin this novel, Uncle Fester is missing for years, and coincidentally. The, the character of Tully, he is kind of like the Adams banker, if you will. He kind of controls their money and is trying to get it because Gomez hides it in this vault. The, the, the Adams family mansion is quite, um, quite, you know, a, <laughs> a um, I don't know, a lot of traps and stuff in it. So we have that. Also, Elizabeth Wilson is Abigail Craven or Dr. Goethe Pentaschloss. So, so the Adams have been missing Fester, <clears throat> and and you have this you have this woman who who kind of who I guess Tilly Alford kind of reports to Abigail Craven, who's this rich rich woman who had who Tilly reports to, and and Tilly's kind of behind her in money, and so he goes to give her money, and then she's like, "You need more money," and he's like, "Well, the Adams are like you know kind of they only give me little pieces at a time." And and while Tully's in the mansion, he sees the picture of Uncle Fester, and just a coincidence, um, the the character Liz Craven's um, son, well, son, and more than that later, in this looks kind of like Uncle Fester. So the 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 Tully and the gang hatch this plan for this guy called Gordon, who looks a lot like Fester, to infiltrate the Adams family, pose as last lost Uncle Fester, or Gomez's brother, Fester, and and infiltrate the mansion to find this secret of the gold. I know it sounds kind of overly complicated, but this is a 90s movie. So that's the premise of this. Now this, so that's the kind of the plot of it. it it's very... <laughs> There's a lot of dark humor in this, but it's not that gory. It's you know, spooky and creepy. The the effects in this one are are pretty good. We're not talking a lot of big CGI. A lot of it's practical effects, which is really cool, and and it has a, a fun vibe to it. And Angelica Houston and and uh, uh, Raul Julia really well as Morticia and Gomez in this. And 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 Chris Lloyd is Fester. <laughs> it's just he really gets into the role. So it is it is kind of like a horror comedy, but not so much the horror in it. Christina Ricci, man alive. She is just at the start of her career. She plays such a really good creepy kid. And and it's kind of like prep for her role later as Lizzie Borden. It's like, yeah, not a long transition. Now, this movie unfortunately marks one of the near the end of the great Raul Julia's career. He, um, shortly after filming this, he filmed his last role in Street Fighter as Bison. And then after that, he became really ill and died in his 50s at a very young age. And it's a shame because I thought, I mean, even in, even in Street Fighter, that he was one of the really, you know, highlights of uh, just an over-the-top. And Raul Julia could do over-the-top. And at the point in this career, he'd been acting for quite some time. He'd quite... Quite a few, you know, roles, but this is his first kind of, to me, the first time I became aware of him in this movie. So it is fun. Keep in mind, both these movies are bare bones. You get no commentary, no extras, nothing. But you do get these movies in Blu-ray, which is really cool. So that's kind of the plot of them. Uh, the movie is they're trying to get the gold, and then it's Fester, and then 
stuff happens, and and it's very much just a wacky, very dark, humory movie. Now, Adam's Family Value, Zeus takes uh, it was made two years after 1993. Obviously, the first one made a potload of money, and they said, "Hey, let's do more." So that was cool. Uh, again, I'm not sure if I saw the second one in theater. I may or may not have. Now, the first one was directed by Barry Sonnefeld, of course, again, man who was behind uh, Men in Black. The second one, Adam's Family Values, yeah, both directed by him. So he had that same feel. Now, in Adam's Family Values, things change a bit. The, you know, Uncle Fester is now well part of the family, and you'll see why in the first movie. And, and this time, there's another new addition to the fan that they kind of majorly hinted at at the end of it, at the end of the first movie. And, and so the Adams get a new child in the mix uh, added to it. And so that's a new cast member. Also added to the cast, the, the character of Granny gets replaced by Carol Kane. Now, I don't know what happened with the original actress because at the time of the sequel, she was still alive. But they used Carol Kane instead. And for the most part, Granny's role in both movies is kind of low. And Carol adds maybe a little extra zaniness to it, but I don't see why they had to replace the one before. Everybody else, though, is is back in, in the sequel. Uh, other also added members, Joan Cusack is in this one as Debbie Jelinski. She is, is uh, like um, a serial killer who marries guys, rich guys, marries them, and then kills them off after she marries them to get their money. But as, you know, with most people, she takes on a little the more she can handle when it's the Adams family because <laughs> it just gets wacky. Now, this, again, is you know, Joan Cusack from quite a few years ago, and this character she plays is so over the top uh, when it comes to this. It's like, okay. So there's that. Also in this movie, Pugsley and Wednesday get sent off to summer camp. And to say things don't go well for the summer camp is probably an understatement. Uh, so it's, again, that, that more of that kind of um, wacky humor, if you will, when, when it comes to this movie. Also, Peter McNichol... <laughs> in this movie, who I believe um, prior to that was in Ghostbusters 2. So, I know, two movies, two sequels. I don't know if he made a trend of that in his career, but that's rather interesting as one of the camp counselors. So you have that in this. Overall, I mean, these movies are fun. They're slightly ghoulish humor, but nothing overt not, and, nothing, and no farty, poopy humor. So for the most part, it's safe safe to have kids watch it. And as I said, these are the last roles that Raul Julia did. He did Down the Family's Value, went off to do Street Fighter, and then he unfortunately did not, you know, continue. I think, though, if he hadn't passed, they might have done more of these, but I don't blame them. Now, the rest of the cast, of course, you know, Angelica Houston has gone on to just, she keeps on acting. Christina Ricci has had a great career. Now, Jimmy Workman, who played Pugsley, didn't exactly have a huge career after this movie. You think after starring in this, you know, he went two hit movies. He would have been set for life. But no. After he did Adam's Family Values, 
1993. He guest starred on Saturday Night Live as Pugsley. He had a part in the movie Black Sheep, but he was uncredited for that. He had a bit in Life with Louie, the TV series short. And then he was starred in As Good As It Gets, and then The Biggest Fan, and then To Kill a Mockumentary video as himself in 2004. But after 2004, he retired from Hollywood, and that is all he did. So that's like, wow, he had a very short acting career. Really, he did. He just, oh, and he, 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 he was an episode of Matlock as bully number one. <laughs> and, and also had an episode of Jake and the Fat Man. So, yeah, he, he really didn't do a lot. And he was part, he was a PA in Star Trek Insurrection. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, he, you know, he got a little PA work after Adam's Family Values, but he's, he pretty much retired from Hollywood after 2004. Now, since then, um, 2004, the only other things he's done, really, according to IMDb-wise, is he's been part of the transportation department, a transportation coordinator for uh, the TV movie Ringside, one for adolescents, and Adopt the Highway, <laughs> transportation captain in 2019. So he's kind of stayed in the biz, but behind the camera, I guess. Any ramblers, you can tell me what a transportation coordinator and captain is. Go ahead, tweet it to me. I'd like to know. So yeah, he didn't go too far. It, you know, overall, if you haven't seen these movies, do so. Although, be forewarned, the first movie starts off kind of Christmassy. It's Christmassy in a weird kind of way, like Gremlins is. So don't be thrown by that. Although, what happens to carolers? <laughs> so, um, yeah, these it's great to have these two movies together. Uh, it's just I, I would have liked it if there had been a little more extras, at least something, you know, like behind the scenes or commentary or something. But if you don't own these on Blu-ray, great way to pick them up. Uh, I still hope Paramount may in the future do some kind of extras, even a Raul Julia tribute. Would it put a nice touch, a retrospective on his career? But anyway, if you want something spooky and really kind of creepy, it's not bad to pick up the Addams Family 2 video pack on Blu-ray. Courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment.
TV show on Blu-ray review for this episode is True Detective Season 3, courtesy of HBO Home Entertainment. Now, I've reviewed both seasons of True Detective before, and much like American Horror Story, this is a very interesting series in that it kind of has a theme, but it changes every season. Whereas American Horror Story, the cast pretty much stays the same, but the theme of the show changes in locale. True Detective is similar in that the, the, the MacGuffin of the show stays the same, but the cast and the location change. And much like previous seasons, the stars of the season before become executive producers. And of course, that would be uh, Matthew McConaughey is, is one of those. This time around, though, this story is set in the Ozarks. And much like the previous seasons of True Detective, takes place over multiple timelines. It's timelines. It's over the course of over 30 years these events take place. And what I really loved about the, the previous seasons is they did an amazing job with the actors of, like, aging them, and in some cases de-aging them over the period of time. And that that's no exception when it comes to the show. And I think that's really cool that they do that. I really appreciate that that kind of, you know, detail. This time around, again, this is set in the Ozarks of the state. So we have a whole new kind of area. And it's, it's a crime that, that lasts 35 years and starts in the 1980s with the disappearance of two children in West Finger, Arkansas, and, and follows the career of the kind of the lead detectives in this case. Uh, uh, the lead detective in this case uh, Wayne Hayes, played by a, a relatively newcomer, although I haven't seen a lot of them, but he has been in quite a few stuff, and that is Mar Mar Marcella, Marcella, and if I'm butchering your name, dude, I'm sorry, Marcella, Marcella, I think it's Marcella, sorry, Ali, uh, who plays the detective, the, the one of the lead detectives in this series. Um, who is um, Wayne Hayes. Now, uh, I and also the same actor is going to be playing Blade in the upcoming Blade movies as well. So this guy, man, he's going on to bigger and better things. So he's one of the detectives in this case. Alongside him, uh, we have good old, you know, screen veteran Stephen Dorff as Roland West. He's the partner detective who later becomes a lieutenant in the state police. And and the character of Wayne, he's a detective who's also a Vietnam War vet. And that kind of plays a bit in, into the story. And I, I always, it's really cool what they do in the show in that they, they, they show him you know, in the 80s and then in the 90s and then we jump forward into like present day. And they, in each section of time the the like from the 80s to the 90s he's slightly older and then while we hit you know the 35 years later into the third time period they have aged him like really well with the makeup and he even changes his voice slightly as well so it's another one of these cases where it really affects the detectives you know that are involved in it in their lives greatly over a few years and they have a great attention to detail when it comes to costuming and, and props and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. Also, uh, part of your main cast, you also have... So these two kids go missing. So the parents of the kids, one of them is played by good old Scoot McNary, who tells Palm Parcel, and the mother of the kids 
is good old uh, Mamie Gummer, who is Lucy Parcell. And the last time we saw Mamie, she was in Ricky and the Flash. So I, I've seen her in a few things, and she's a good actress. And she, of course, is the daughter of Meryl Streep. Uh, so she's in that also um, in this as well. You have um, you have a character of Ray Fisher who plays Henry Hayes, who is his son, and also the uh, also the character of Amelia Richardson, who 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 hooks up with with um, with Wayne and becomes quite the the character in its own self. So she she is as much part of this story as anybody is. When it comes to this thing, and 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 th- this two this 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 crime, uh, these two kids disappearing. One turns up dead, the other turns up missing. This crime really, man, it it really affects the lives of both of these guys over over this period of time. Like it really affects them affects them a lot. This is a, a really good story. I love the theme song for this year. They once again knocked out of the park. It's really kind of different, but you know, uh, you uh, like the Coolum board is really is a good s- song. Now, as with most true detectives, this isn't a very long show. It's only about nine, ten episodes, so you don't, you know, it's very short. And of course, it's HBO, so that means these episodes are close to an hour long. In the last ones, even longer than that. For bonus features. You do get Design the Decades. It shows the season's various timelines and and how they make them different. Also, you get the digital copy with the Blu-ray release as well, too. Music of Season 3, that's a conversation with Nick Pizzolato and T-Bone Burnett, so the director and the musical creator of the show and how they approach things and their different ways of approaching things. You get in the final extended cut of the finale with some extra scenes and you get a heck of a lot of deleted scenes. What you also get is, is like a lot of stuff. Uh, each of the characters gets a, like a little bio and, and how, and how they, and how main ones, anyone, and how they interact. A lot of these featurettes are really short. And I will tell you though, it's a digital copy. Some featurettes transfer over to digital and some don't. There are some, that you really still need to disc to see. So keep that in mind. So there, there is that. Uh, overall, it really is an interesting show, the, the lives of these people. And I'm going to tell you, though, folks, as the most true detectives, and I probably said this for the previous two seasons, it's a bit of a slow burn in that it takes a while to really get into it, get in with the characters, and, and really kind of get sucked into the story. Now it's HBO, so yeah, it gets kind of violent at times. Not a, not really, I don't think any really nudity per se, but the, the violence is there, and there are some, you know, adult themes, if you will. Uh, overall, there's that. No episode commentary. I'm a little disappointed. I did like the conversation between the composer and the, and the main showrunner of the show, but I would have loved to have heard, you know, from, uh, you know, I've commentary track from the actors or from Ali, you know, just to see uh, what, what it would have been like to, 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 to film it. There's not a lot of behind the scenes other than those little character featurettes um, when it comes to that. Now, I think Ali was nominated for The Green Room. I believe that's what he was nominated for because I remember that movie got a lot of hype. 
So he's a good actor. I he definitely has a future. And and the way he can portray the same character over t- three different times fear times in history, and even Dorf too, does a really good job. And I think that really speaks to the, the skill of being able to do that. So overall, a a fun season. Uh, fun as in you know gritty. Uh, quotes in this one, you know, times and and the the the, the key to this as well too is that Hayes, as time goes on, he suffers. From from a, a like a I think maybe partly dementia, but he he has trouble remembering things, and that his inability to remember near the end of this season, whoa, does it have a big effect uh, on on what happens? And it's like, oh man, and and it's one of it's just one of those, and the dynamic between Dorf and and Ali is really good. Those two definitely should do more movies together. The the characters have. A unique friendship in the course of these 35 plus years. They definitely do. Uh, yeah, so that is... Oh, and uh, the quote for this. Here's a quote. Gripping, exquisitely layered, and alive with passion, and Mordant Wit. I don't actually know what Mordant Wit is. Uh, quoted by the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, it, it is It is a... Uh, Unique show, and I'm really curious to see where they go next for season four when it comes to this series. So that is my take of True Detective, the complete third season on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at HBO Home Entertainment.
show on Blu-ray review for this episode is Supergirl, the complete fourth season courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. And just full disclosure, they sent me this to review and it does not reflect, they, them saying it to me does not reflect my opinion of this show. The, sh- the thoughts of this show are all of my own. All right, so we continue with our journey through the Arrowverse, if you will, the superhero, CW superhero Show and welcome to Supergirl. Now, last season I talked about season three it was very girly, girly, superpower, yeah, boom, ba, women power, yay. It's not so much, thankfully, season four. They kind of steered away from that a little bit, thankfully, but they went away from that onto a completely different cause. In season four, it's all about you know, pro-alien. And and the, the kind of storyline running from this one is, for some reason, there has been some anti-alien sentiment brewing in the Supergirl universe. And in season four, Lord, Lord mighty, it comes to a head. It comes to a head in so much in this world of hers, this Earth, that the, the people in this place start calling... Aliens roaches. Yeah, I, you know, that's that's the weirdest thing. That's like, I'm sorry, you from another planet, you're the cockroach, and you must go. So that's that's the theme in this one, is that events occur that suddenly, you know, all of her Earth, or at least National City, goes suddenly way anti-alien, as in aliens from another planet alien. And so... <laughs> That's kind of the whole show run of this season. Now, uh, as, and I said last season, good old um, Monel has left, and and sadly, all you Monel fans, you're not seeing him this season. He is gone because at the end of season three, as I told you, um, Wynn left and went off with Monel to the future, and Brainiac, good old Brainiac Five, Brainy, if you will stayed behind in the character of Jesse Rath. So so that, all you people thinking they were going to come back this season, no. Uh, now, keep in mind, and we'll talk about this more a little later, Crisis in Earth is happening this coming season, season five in the Arrowverse, and there could be a lot of people guest appearing in Supergirl. We'll see. We'll talk more on that later, my speculations. So that's kind of the theme in this one. Of course, in the last season, poor, poor Alex Danvers, uh, the the adopted Supergirl's uh, sister, uh, played by Chyler Lee, got her heart 
broken a little. And so she's kind of recovering a lot from that in this fourth season. A lot of woe is Alex moments. And and boy, does she ever cut her hair short. So, so that goes there. Although by the end of the season, you know, love's in the air. Every sign and every sound. So, so maybe things... We'll be looking up for Alex season five, but I st- I know the show, and more than likely, they'll probably tease something really nice for her, and then they'll take it away. So <laughs> I I don't know, just pick on her a lot. So I don't know if that's really going to happen. Also, season four, uh, uh, the character of John Jones, Marshall Manhunter, played by David Harwood, he gets um he gets he gets a little family time of his own. Although that leads to some other things as well. Uh, also, season four, it's been the aftermath of season three because, you know, Rain did not do people any favors. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened there. And also the the the, the kind of ending of season three left a like a big cliffhanger and like, who's this other girl? And that kind of gets explained it's a slow burn for season four. We don't really find out, you know, who's this girl looks like Kara. They slow burn it near the, till near the end of the season. You really find out the truth of why this girl's even around and uh, what happens with her. Also, uh, the character of Katie McGrath, Lena Luther, she has an interesting story arc. And this one, by the end of this season, Let's just say her and Kara slash Supergirl, there's got to be some issues going into season five. Me thinks, me thinks. <laughs> also, speaking of Luthers, we do get a, a new Luther added to this show, and I don't mean Lena's mother gets added to the cast of this show. And I got to say, the, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like the the choice for that. He really does seem like, okay, I wouldn't have picked him as, as Lex, but okay. He, he actually pulls it off pretty good. And although the end of the season does not look good for Lexi, (laughs) there's a little thing near the end where I'm thinking, you know, you can't keep a good Luther down. And, and I think, I think he'll be, I don't know this for certain, but I believe we haven't seen the last of him come season five. And with Crisis and so many characters showing up, and boy, I'm hearing more and more things every day. Ah, wouldn't it surprise me if we haven't seen the last of that character. Also, we get a lot uh, this season of Lex's super suit, the thing they've been, you know, teasing for seasons now. We actually get to see it in use, and it's pretty cool. Now... Given that, though, even though his super suit looks cool, I don't know what happened in season four of Supergirl. I don't know. Maybe they had some budget problems in some of the episodes. And and I, out of all the Arrowverse shows, mind you, I'm still working through Legends of Tomorrow <clears throat> season four. But uh, of all the Arrowverse shows, so far, I, I think they maybe lost some money maybe in Supergirl. But there are some scenes... Especially some, there's one involving this season with Nth Metal, which is kind of like DC's version of Adamantium, sort of, kind of. Where she's in the factory and they do this effect. And man, I don't know if somebody was in the editing room 
bit screwed up or they lost some money. It looks so bad. Just like a brief thing of it. And maybe it's because it's Blu-ray and it shows it a little bit more. But it's like, doy. And there are a few more other instances where the CGI is just kind of off in some episodes. And that's really the first I've noticed it. I mean, you know, Arrow isn't too CGI heavy and Flash is a bit. And from what I've seen so far of Legends, I haven't noticed any hiccups. So very, very odd. So that is there. Also, um, there is a development with Brainiac near the end of the season that is rather interesting. And... And I think it's going to... The, the hint of what it is in the end of four, and I think by season five, the true effects of what happened to him, yeah, that's really going to come to play. And I'm curious to see where they go with it. <laughs> also, uh, added cast members to the show, we have, to me, and, and this is a guy that I've met in person, so that made it to me even cooler, is Sam Witwer joins the cast as Ben Lockwood, who is this guy. And as the season goes on, you're thinking, all right, he has legit reasons to hate aliens, kind of. Who, who goes on to be a real thorn in, in the side of Supergirl by this. And, and, <clears throat> and Sam is great. I, I've met him in person at a, at, a, oh, at a fan expo quite a few years ago, or maybe at another convention. But if you look through the archives of the show Ramblers, I, this is back when he was part of the cast of Being Human, the U.S. version. And I got a chance to sit down, well, it was a very quick one, with him and the other cast members. And it's a picture somewhere of three of us together. And, and it was really cool to see, um, to meet him in person. So that's, yeah, it's, I met the dude. And he's a great character actor. Uh, <clears throat> being Supergirl, he did, like, he showed he did like almost a whole season this year, which is pretty good. And and you think in Sam Witwer, I don't really know the name, but when you see him, his voice recognized. Most recently, he he's been the voice of Darth Maul in Star Wars Clone Wars, and he's done some other voices in that as well. Also, uh, he he got to my attention the first time uh, when he was in Smallville when he paid Davis Bloom way back in 2008 to 2009, near the end of Smallville. He played a great character there, and that's where I first kind of, you know, he caught my attention. Since Smallville, he then went on, of course, to be to the U.S. version of Being Human, which is 2011 to 2014. Around the time there, I met him at a convention. Look through my old convention coverage on my Libsyn page. I will give you the link for that at the end of the show, and you want to hear me talk to Sam Whitworth. It was a really fun interview. Nice guy. Too short, but that's uh, conventions for you. And then more recently than that, in 2016, of course, he was Mr. Hyde. And he did one, two, three, one, two, three, five episodes of Once Upon a Time as Mr. Hyde. So this guy is just, he is a working machine. And that is really cool. And yeah, so so he's been in a lot of Star Wars Rebels, Star, Star Wars Clone Wars. So he's been a busy girl, uh, a busy girl, busy guy. And I don't know. We'll see what the future holds for Ben Lockwood season five. But he, he does that kind of smoldering intensity really well. And, and yeah, and he was a great addition to the show. A lot of highlights just to see good old Sammy boy in the 
program. As, as I said, uh, Wynn and Monel were gone. Now, there is rumor, uh, as I said, with Crisis coming back, he, they could show up uh, in season five. There's a lot of people <laughs> showing up in five. It's like, uh, for this Crisis on Infinite Earths, it looks really cool. A lot of tie-ins to other DC shows. And we shall see. So overall, it, it is what it is. Uh, I think it was a, a fun show. It was the, the anti-alien stuff after a while was like, oh. and, and, and Supergirl still remains to me the most Gilmore, Gilmore Girls show of all the shows, really. And it comes to just drama, drama, drama. Uh, <laughs> comes to her. And I'm really curious to see where the Kara slash Supergirl-Lena relationship goes forward in season five. Because like I say, did be rocket times ahead. And, and we will see uh, where that goes from there. Um, also, the character who plays Superman in in the show, is, he, he's like... Although he was barely in season three, he kind of is in season four at the start. He plays a big part in the um, in the Elseworlds crossover stuff. But after that, and and then the bonus is that we actually get to be Lois Lane of that universe. After that, sadly, he goes MIA. They pretty much write off his character for the rest of the seasons. You get him like right there at the start, and then no, I'm sorry, he's just off planet. For the rest of the season. And you're like. <sighs> now. Much like this season. I'm going to bet you dollars to donuts. And I'm, I'm pretty much conf confirmed that. From what I've read. He will be a part of Crisis and Infinite Earths. <laughs> the character will be coming back. For at least that story arc. Beyond that. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to have a, another role. A, you know a more of a role. In the show. Beyond Crisis. Uh, he'll be there for those episodes. I'm, I pretty much can guarantee you it, along with Lois. Um, and it's very interesting. And it, there's, this way, in that Crisis Infinite Earth, Infinite Earth crossover, there's going to be more than one Superman showing up. That's been confirmed. But beyond that, I don't know um, where he's going from there. I really don't know if... If, if they're just going to write him off for the rest of season five. I, for his sake, I hope not, because I was a nice addition to the show. Uh, and and would have been nice. Oh, also, uh, more new cast members. He did a lot of new cast members in this one. You have the character of Nia Null, because DC loves doing letter-letter names like Lois Lane, Lana Lang. Uh, played by Nicole Maines, and she eventually becomes the character Dreamer. Now, they made a big hoopla about this one in that this actress, she's the first transgender actress, like legit transgender actress, to be in a superhero show. And for the life of me, if she used to be a guy, I can't tell. I can't tell at all. And, and she's a very interesting relationship with Brainiac. Brainy in this season. And and I think if things happen with Brainy, which I think that it's gonna be very interesting to see where that goes. And what I found with her, the start of the season, it's all about Nia, right? And they put a lot of focus on her. And then when she kind of realizes, you know, to embrace her powers and and become dreamer, poor Nia part, it's like 
that's that's great. You know, you post attention on your civilian identity, but now you're dreamer. Pfft. And they totally forget about her that way, and they just deal with her as a hero. And once she wears that costume, you rarely ever see her out of it. And that's like, okay, that's an interesting direction to go, but <laughs> whatever. I don't know. Um, also, you get some uh, other new characters added. You get uh, the character of Eve Tessmacher, played by Andrea Brooks. And, and there's a nice kind of throwback line to the old Superman movies with that. And, and you even get the character of Otis from the, you know, that was in the Superman movies. They do a lot of self-referencing. Uh, in, in Supergirl. And, and so he's in this as well, uh, played by Robert Baker. So it's, it's a lot of, um, they're really pushing on the old Superman stuff. And we'll see if that plays out more. Overall, the season ends on a really weird note. A lot of the other shows, like Flash and Arrow, they, 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 they end on a note that really kind of hints at crisis. This one, although we have appearance of a character... I'm not sure how the appearance of an additional character will tie into the whole crisis thing. I saw it and went, okay, where are you going with this? And so we shall see. For special features, as I mentioned with Arrow and The Flash, you do get the, uh, you do get the um, Elseworlds, you get the additional episodes of Arrow and Flash on this release, because it's Blu-ray. You do get the uh, the feature at Villains, Modes of Persuasion, and Depth Look that features DC supervillains. This is on this set and the Arrow set as well. Although, and this is a weird featurette, I watched this afterwards, and a good majority of the villains they talk about in this featurette are Gotham ones. A super Gotham-y, and then they do a little bit on, on Arrow and Supergirl, and Flash, and that stuff. But it's so Gotham-centric. It's like, you know, why isn't this on the Gotham release? It, it's very gotham It's the first time I've ever seen... It's, it's, so it's an odd little extra uh, when it comes to that. You also get the the, the same... Um, Cindy, you also get the inside, the crossover Elseworlds featurette, just like the other one talking about that year's crossover. You get the um, the best of San Diego Comic-Con 2018. So you get that, where they mush all the shows together and they give you highlights of each of the shows. You get the lead scenes and you get a gang reel. So not a bad set of extras. Not so many specific to this season. I would have loved to see one on Whitwer as Lockwood, the, the new character of Dreamer. There should have been all this hoopla around her. There should have been a featurette on her, and there wasn't. So, yeah, they seem to be cutting back with the extras, and that's a shame, and it, it seems to be a bit of a trend. I would have liked something, like even an overall season... Review, uh, like a featurette on the overall season that was Supergirl season four, that seems to be a little missing. No commentary on any of these episodes, which is a crying shame. But that is what it is. So you get you get um, you get some you know some really good villains in this one, and and it's less kind of yay female 
but it, it's still it's still a show that is constantly trying to send a message. And to me, you know, sending a message is great, but if you sacrifice being a message show as opposed to sacrificing story elements, maybe that's not the best way to go. There should be a bit of more of a balance that way. One other character I want to mention, Supergirl, before I wrap this up, is the character that appeared in the show of Manchester Black. Now, they did a bit of a race swap with him because, you know, this is today. But um, I, because originally in the comics, it was a white dude, but, but I think it still worked for the character. Now the character was played by David Ajala and he was a really good kind of intense kind of dude and a really good foil for John Jones and David Harwood and a really good kind of catalyst when it came to the thing. He was only in seven of the season's episodes, but I, I think he really, um, he really got the goat of John. And, and that's, you haven't seen that get him too bad. They really made John make some decisions, which going forward, you know, it's interesting to see how they develop. Now, because again, it's, it's crisis coming up. Have we truly seen the last of Manchester Black? I don't know. I, it'd be, I think it'd be a shame not to bring him back, at least for a little bit. I think he was a really good character. Kind of had that kind of edge to win. We don't see a lot of edgy people in Supergirl. Most people are like, nah, 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 nah. So it was kind of nice to see that. And I liked him in the show. He's a good villain. And, and he was one of those kind of grayish villains where, like, his methods, you know, um, may not be the great. His intentions were good, but the way he went about things. And, it, you know, interesting take on the character. So... I'll make sure I want to mention him before I wrap up this uh, review. So that is my take of Supergirl, the complete fourth season on a Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. You've got a friend you got a friend in me When the rug looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what Oprah said Yeah, you got a friend in me uh, Baby, you got a friend in me uh, You got Paul in me you got a friend in me You've got your troubles I've got them too There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you We stick together and see it through Cause you've got a friend in me Darling, you've got a friend in me Now some of the boys might be a little smiling Bigger, stronger too Baby None of them is ever gonna love you The way I do Or it's me and you know And as the years go by Our friendship will never die You're gonna see it's our destiny Cause you got a friend in me My baby 
And as the years go by Our love will never die You're gonna see It's our destiny Cause you've got a friend in me My animated 4K movie review for this episode is Toy Story 4, courtesy of Walt Disney Home Entertainment. Now, it's been a long time since they did a Toy Story movie. The first came out back in 1995, and I probably actually saw that in the theater. Sequel was in 1999, and Toy Story 3 had a huge gap and didn't happen until 2010. Well, we jump ahead another few years to 2019 for Toy Story 4. So this, this movie franchise in the last you know, 24 years has had a really weird kind of history with it. Now, Toy Story 3 was, to me, ugh, it was a tearjerker. That, that, that Pixar, ugh, that scene with Jesse the Cowgirl and, and the Sarah McLaughlin song, ugh. It just gets me every time. It is such, such a sad moment in a movie. And I saw it in theaters and I was just slightly cursing Pixar. But like, so, so, you know, I I went into this movie going, you know what? You're going to do this to me again, Pixar. You're going to make me cry watching something. You're going to pull my heartstring just again uh, because that's what you do. And so I went into this kind of thinking, oh, okay, we're going to do this again. And I was really amazed about the, the gap in years. I mean, why so long to do a sequel? And But, you know, I just, I, would there be another nine, ten-year gap between another one? I, you know, hard to say. So Toy Story 4 kind of picks up where Toy Story 3 left off. The toys would buzz, buzz. <laughs> Buzz is French, it's Buzz, not it's Buzz and Woody. So Buzz and Woody, of course, with Bonnie, because it's the end of the third movie, and he gives his toy. Slight spoiler here, it's been a few years, live with it. Gives, gives, gives his toys to Bonnie. So these toys are now with her. And, you know, time has gone on. Bonnie hasn't aged that much, a little bit. And in the start of the movie, we, we find out the poor Woody is feeling a little left out because, of course, you know, being a young little girl, Bonnie is playing more with Jesse, the girl cowboy, than with him. So he's kind of feeling, you know, out of the lurch (laughs) that he's no longer the number one toy. Throw into that, little Bonnie is starting kindergarten, and she's not handling it very well, really. And and to uh, part of her coping mechanism, little Bonnie at school puts together makes her own toy out of a spork. <laughs> so basically it's like an arts and crafts project uh, that, that she, she pulls kind of out of the track or so Woody goes to her with school. 
because you know the kid's anxious. And then the kid is like trying to put something together, and she has all the stuff on the table. Then a mean little kid takes it away, and then Woody like takes some stuff from the trash, throws it up on the table, and Bonnie ends up making this weird little character of a spork. So it's like googly eyes for a face, I don't know what for a mouth, pipe cleaner arms, some uh, popsicle sticks for feet, and like clay to stick the spork into the thing to connect the feet. And so the kid writes Bonnie, and I guess because of that, this is Toy Story logic here, not mine. I don't write these movies. Because Bonnie views this weird little spork as a toy, <clears throat> it then becomes alive. And But the, the, the thing, you know, was made from trash, so it keeps trying to go back to the trash. <laughs> and voiced by... Tony Hale, of course, we last saw in Veep. No relation to me that I know of at all, although that'd be super cool. So so the, the thing is trying to throw itself back in the trash again, and what he realizes that, you know, this, this, this spork has become a coping mechanism for Bonnie. And while this is going on, uh, Bonnie's parents decide, you know, this before you, like, I guess the first day was like a test kindergarten thing. I don't know if that's a real thing, folks. Y'all tell me. So after that day of like tests, you guys, just before school officially starts, they all go on this big road trip in an RV and they end up in like, uh, I guess it's a traveling carnival or some kind of roadside carny thing. And on the way, kind of forky throws himself out to get rid of himself and and they end up going to this carnival now at the carnival this is where the kind of the main story happens in that in that that woody is constantly trying to uh, rescue forky because at this carnival adjacent to it and i don't know if it's just coincidence there's this old secondhand kind of store and and we kind of established at the start of the story that poor Bo Peep kind of gets taken away and sold to a dude. And then, you know, golly darn gosh, what the coincidence. This fair is parked outside the secondhand store where Bo Peep is. Now, Bo Peep, once again, is voiced by Annie Potts. And she has a much bigger role in this movie than she did for any of the previous Toy Story movies. I mean, she was in it, but in this one, it's she's like super action bow and does a lot for a porcelain doll. In this one, the rest of the cast is back. Tim Allen is back as Buzz Lightyear, although he does not have that big a role in this. It's really Woody. It's more of Tom Hanks as Woody has his biggest role in this. So you have that. Again, it's uh, Tony uh, Tony Hale is Forky. Other new characters that get added into this one, you have Keenan Michael um, K and 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 um, so K and Peel. So in his par comedy partner Peel, they they are Keenan is Ducky and the other one is Bunny, and they are the kind of the new characters. Also, you get Gabby Gabby, voiced by Christina Hendricks. She is kind of the villain, but not really the villain. In this one, yeah, Jordan Peele is Bunny. So you have those two, you know, Jordan Peele and Key and Peele are kind of your comic relief. In it. They don't show up to quite into the movie. And so the whole kind of plot of it is, main of it, is that Gabby, Gabby Gabby is a, is a talking doll, kind of from the same era as Woody, 
who whose voice box is broken. And she's been sitting in this secondhand store and she's convinced that the reason nobody wants her is because her voice box is broken. And Woody has a perfectly good working voice box, pulley cordy thing inside of him. You also have in this movie some really creepy ventriloquist dolls that don't talk. And I'll warn you, if you have small kids, might give them a little bit of nightmares there. <laughs> so that's kind of the plot of it. A lot of the other peripheral characters, they're kind of there. Like the voice of Joan Cusack, who this is the second time I'm talking about Joan Cusack. Uh, as Jesse, she's there, but not a huge main character. And a lot of the other kind of things like Ratzenberger and, and Bonnie Hunt and a lot of those other kind of other toys, even they get pretty much stuck in the RV for a good chunk of this movie. So, yeah. Uh, and there's a nice tribute in this one to Don Rickles, of course, was the voice of Mr. Potato Head uh, in this series. So that's there. So it's, it's mostly them and Woody in this movie. Man, uh, I saw this in trailers. He's a very paranoid toy. And at the end of this, it's more kind of like the Woody movie. He makes a decision, which if they do a Toy Story 5, it's got to be very interesting to see how his decision affects this franchise going forward. I'm not going to say more than that. Does this movie tug on your heartstrings much like the previous ones do? In a way, yes, there are some little... Have a Kleenex out. But, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting too jaded, but it didn't get to me as much as the other ones did. I mean, there are some genuine touching moments in it, but didn't... I mean, I even think about that scene in the third one and oh, get me over clump. But this one, I mean, the, the intention was there, but I don't know. And I really questioned Disney waiting so long to do a sequel. Like, really? Nine years? Much, and it seems to be a trend, much like with Incredibles. Why wait so long to do another? Uh, for extras, you get a fair decent. This one you actually get in the 4K pack. You get the 4K, you get a, a Blu-ray, the feature, and the main movie, and some featurettes. And, but you also get a bonus Blu-ray with <coughs> bonus features. So that's pretty good. It's not just one single, crime with anything, one Blu-ray. You get a second Blu-ray added in. So for extras, this is probably one of the best set of extras in a while since I've seen from Disney and Pixar. Uh, one of the ones you get, you get deleted scenes, of course. You get uh, Be Rebooted, a Bo Rebooted. This is a look and how they tried to revitalize Bo and give her a b bigger role in this movie. And boy, does she ever have it. You also get uh, Toy Stories. This is where the cast and the crew remember about their beloved own childhood toys and this is probably the most input you get from hanks and and alan really in this uh, then they're not in a lot of these extras i saw some other reviewers say that they're not in this no nah, just not in it a lot so there if you heard that somewhere else uh there's woody and buzz a look back at the legendary friendship that's a nice feature where actually hanks and alan kind of talk about that which is kind of neat 
story blocks. This is you get to meet the cast of the new characters. So you get the voice actors and people behind them talking about that. You get Let's Ride with Ali Mack. This is a humorous, very funny little featurette of voice acting uh, because she plays the, uh, the, the character of uh, another new character. So many new characters in this one. Of like a little Polly Pocket kind of fun. Also, other new voices in this one. Keanu Reeves is in this one. Yeah, Giggle McDimples is Ali Mack. Keanu Reeves is in this one as Duke Kaboom, who's like a Canadian stuntman figure. Kind of like a mustache Super Dave. <laughs> and it's it's really kind of funny kind of role in, in that one. Uh, you also, um, yeah, and it's, it's Keanu. I don't know if he's aging well. They showed him and it's like, Lordy, the dude is getting old. And so that's a nice addition to it. There are some somewhat creepy moments, but not too bad. The way you can really tell, though, in this movie, boy, has computer animation, especially in 4K, come a long way from the first Toy Story back in 1995. Lord almighty, these movies look pretty. I don't know if they're going to make them any prettier than that, but the, the attention to detail and, and is really impressive in that. So that's a good chunk of the extras. You do get some audio commentary by some of the, the, the people that make the movie, so that's cool. That's probably your biggest chunk of behind-the-scenes is that in it. And and so that that is that. It's an interesting chapter in the Toy Story saga. I don't, I said, I'm, I'm really curious if they do a five, where they go from it and what new adventures. And, and Keel and, and Keen Peel add an interesting bit of humor to to this rule. And, and yeah, I think it's a fun movie. Overall, I mean, I think Toy Story 3 left on a really nice note. And to make this another continuation is okay. <clears throat> I don't know if you want to end the franchise in this. Though. We'll, we'll see where they go. It's all about the money, honey. And we'll see how, how it goes. And there is a total of an hour worth of bonuses. There are little featurettes, but you do get an hour's worth. And the movie does um, 4K animation. It looks so pretty. Um, so that is worth picking it up that way. So that is my take of a Toy Story 4 on 4K Blu-ray, courtesy of three folks at Walt Disney Home Entertainment. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can catch all my new shows right here on TalkShoe. I'm show 18411. That is my caller ID. All new episodes get right here on TalkShoe. I encourage you to check them out and check out some of the older ones as well. Feel free to leave a comment on the main page. I love to hear from my listeners. Of course, you can catch all my older shows. They're still up on Libsyn. That's HTTP, full colon, backslash, backslash, rambling Russ. R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G dot R, uh, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G R-U-S-S dot L-I-B-S-Y-N is November dot com. That's Rachel Home on the Internet. Why well, I have, you know, tons of uh, shows going from 2006 when I started this, right up to, 2013, to up 2013. Then and I went full time here on Talk Show. Lots of convention coverage, including... 
more than likely, I believe my interview with Sam Witwer is on my convention coverage special. So look back around those years. I was at, I was at, I was at um, Fan Expo from 2009 to 2012. So somewhere in there, I look for my convention coverage there. I'll probably talk to him. That uh, was my big convention years of the show. So that, of course, you can also check out older episodes um, on iTunes. Just go under podcasts and find Rambled Wrestling from older episodes there as well. I appreciate you checking out the older stuff. And of course, you can check me out on Twitter. I'm at Rambling Russ, at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G. Tweet me, I'll tweet you back. I appreciate all the new uh, followers I have on Twitter and any kind of retweets. I will respond to them, and any kind of artwork I get, I generally will chuck it up on Twitter. And, of course, I have a Facebook page as well. I'll help you check that out. Still not on Patreon, considering that, but not there yet. That's something I'm kind of mulling over. But if you, if I do that, here will be the first place you will hear about it. What's coming up on future episodes of the show? I'm still making my way first uh, through the final show of my DC TV CW show, and that is Legends of Tomorrow on Blu-ray, season four. Hopefully, I'll have that up for the next episode of the show. And that again is courtesy of great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Uh, because Crisis is coming, and man, I'm looking forward to that. So that is on the future. As well, I know coming my way this week, I should be getting a copy of of uh, the Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw with a giveaway attached to that review. So look for that coming up through the good friends at Universal. That is coming out soon. As well with Disney, the, the reimagine of The Lion King will be coming out. The, the live-action-ish one, I guess, that came out this year will be coming out in video Sometime in the very near future, so that will probably be up in the next episode, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Uh, no, courtesy of Walt Disney Home Video, so I will have that. Uh, yet another remake review for you all as well in the near future. Uh, some great stuff from Paramount, including the uh, Blue Review review of Crawl, which looks really cool. To get the complete series of, of Life with Lucy, the last TV show that the great Lucille Ball did as well season one of the haunting of hill house because it is halloween time and that and also from wonder brothers coming up uh, i will have my blu-ray of the new shaft starring samuel l jackson and from paramount uh on the way i i was trying to get through sometime soon the reboot season one of charmed the tv show tell me a story as well as Elementary, the sixth and final seasons coming up on the show. Also, more book reviews on the way. I still uh, hope to get some time, get to some more DK books, including Be More Leia and Be More Lando. <laughs> Star Wars is coming up soon. And the DC Comics year by year, the Visual Chronicles, uh, the Visual Chronicle, the new edition from DK Publishing, and also the Ultimate Star Wars New Edition book, uh, as well, courtesy of DK. So a lot of stuff coming up in the near future. Just keep uh, listening. 
all cut up on future episodes of Ramble with Russell. That is it for me. I have talked a very long time. Oh, I did want to mention one thing before the end of the show. I did have a chance, speaking of DC shows, I did have a chance to check out the brand new episode, first episode of Batwoman. I, I don't know about that show. It is getting so many mixed reviews. Let's just say... They got a lot to work on. There's a, it, it had a rough start, and and the bat suit they have in it. Oi! They show it before she gets it, and that is the weirdest. I I'm gonna I I meant to say it's the top of the show. I'm gonna say it now. That is the weirdest bat suit I've ever seen. It the way that it's built, it's like the suit has. <laughs> it has a female chest on it. I'm telling you. And it and I look at the suit and I'm thinking <sighs> Bruce Wayne really wore that outfit. Okay. He really left that behind. Okay. Cause the top is wrong and then the head and and it really to me looks like, you know, he hit his real suit. And he thought maybe she was going to come by. So he kind of left that one for her to make her think that it was his. So it'd be easily to modify to fit her. Because. Oh, uh, you, you tell me, Ramblers. You leave a comment on Twitter. You tell me if that bat suit looks right for a dude. Because it doesn't. <laughs> I would love to be a scene later on in Batwoman where he comes back. And, and, and she says, I found your suit. And he goes, oh, yeah, that suit? Yeah, I left that for you. That, that really wasn't the suit I wore. I, I purposely left that for you to find. That would at least make a modicum of sense to me. All right. So I, I meant to mention at the start of the show. There you go. Bonus opinion piece at the end of the show. Well, that is it. I have talked enough. I will see you guys next time right here on Rambled Russell. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.